just lean our ear towards You tonight and uh, just speak to us mightily in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You know, when Pastor Ray asked me to share, it was actually uh, about two months ago. He actually plugged me into the calendar to share. And immediately the Lord, I had a couple of things to share on, but about a month and a half ago, the Lord gave me clear direction on what to share on tonight. And the awesome thing was, is I had no idea that last Sunday that he was going to crack the door on a new kind of a theme um, that he he didn't get to all of it, obviously, but he just kind of opened the door for the uh, the teaching of the doctrine of demons and the battle and the spiritual warfare that we all face. And I know that I know we've heard a lot of that lately. I know that we we hear about you know we're in a battle, you know, and we have to be stirred to spiritual warfare, and that we're in the last days and perilous times, and on and on. And sometimes we can get sort of bored with the topics and we can say, yeah, I know, Brother Randy, I know, Pastor Ray, we're in a battle. You know, I know. But the reality is, we are. We're in a battle and and Paul said it best in in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 that, how many know we're in the latter days? And it says in the latter days that perilous times will come, amen? And, And people will be, not could be, but we will become people that are selfish and boastful, and proud. And I really sense when Pastor Ray was talking about that our society and us as a people, of God's people, there's a shifting going on. He said that Sunday, I don't know if you remember, but he said there's a shift. And I really thought that was so, number one, prophetic, but it went right in line with, with, with what the Lord showed me. And there's, there's a spirit today that is trying to water down the Gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a spirit that's trying to... And, and don't worry, I'll get to some good news, because it's all good news, right? But I, I, wanna, I really want to take the time for us to clearly understand that there's a spirit, and it's not a spirit of God, there's a spirit that is trying to water down and, and lower the standard. And lower the standard. And for those of us who have been Christians for a while, we remember the day. And of course, some of it was legalism. But the reality was, there was a fervor in the house of God. There was a passion. There was a commitment. And I even thought of my own life, my own walk. And I said, Lord, you know, I was kind of doing a barometer check. I said, Lord, am I getting stale? Am I, am I allowing that spirit in my heart? But the enemy is coming. And he's coming in a way that he hasn't come before. He's not coming and He's not saying to Brother Tim, this morning, today, I'm going to deceive you. It's not, it's not out there. It's, not, it's very sly. It's very small. And it's just a way to just tweak us just a little bit. It, 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 it's a spirit that just wants to move us and shift us just a tad to get us derailed. And as I talk to people, I was talking to somebody very close to me my family, that lives in the Northeast. And I was just, I was so grieved because as I talked to her, I just, she was talking to me as if things that the Bible clearly says are sin or that's idolatry. And, and this is a person that, that claims to know the Lord. 
And that's the scary part. Because the deception, if you don't think you can be deceived, you're already deceived. So the problem becomes is the enemy is so tactful in the way that he ties a bow around this stuff. And he comes in and he gets us just a little bit off base. And it's just that little thing. I used to be, I was in the Navy for four years back in the 80s. And other than being an electrician by trade, one of the things that I love to do outside of our typical nine-to-five work is we had to stand certain watches on the ship as we were out to sea. And one of my favorite watches, one of my favorite things to do other than being an electrician on the ship was to be what they called the helmsman. And that was the person that steered the ship. That was cool. I mean, you're up there on this multi-thousand ton vessel in the open sea, and you're on the bridge with the captain as an enlisted person, and you're steering this baby. You know, this thing is going like 20 knots, which is like 25 miles per hour or whatever, and you're steering this thing. And the Lee helmsman, his job was to, he worked a signal to the engine room to how fast the ship was going. Anybody here in the Navy or understand what I'm talking about? But the Lee helmsman controlled the speed. The helmsman s- s- controlled the rudder. And the captain or, the, or the, the officer of the watch would say, helmsman, bring your rudder to the right 25 degrees, bearing whatever, 253. And you would spin that wheel and lock it in at 25 degrees. And you wouldn't know because you're out in the open sea. So to the naked eye, you can't, the, the shift, you can't see right away. But if I was off a half a degree, you wouldn't know it. But by the time that morning came around, we'd be off course like 250 miles. So just a half a degree of that rudder that you can't see because it's under the water, just a half a degree over time gets you way off course. And that's what the enemy's doing. See, he's coming in just to tweak us a little bit, just to get us off, just a little bitterness, just a tad, nothing much. I deserve it. They, they ticked me off. Thank God I was going to say something else. You know what I'm saying? Just a, just a little isolation. I don't need to go to church every week. Just, just a little, just a, a slight transition from fellowship, koinonia, to isolation. Just a little lack of faith. Just a little questioning God. Everybody does it. He forgives. But see, if that's not dealt with and God doesn't quicken to our spirit what's going on, because see, there's voices. There's voices going on. And people think that there's two voices. People think there's God's voice and there's a devil voice. Let me tell you, there's a lot more voices than that. There's the voice of our own understanding. There's a voice of past hurts, past disappointments. There's a ton of voices out there. And if we do not, if we do not get into the Word of God and we do not get into prayer and we don't have an active fellowship with Him, we will be, we will ultimately be Unbeknownst to ourselves, eventually the layers will be building. The layers will be building where we'll look back and go, what happened? Because it didn't happen overnight. See, God, the enemy comes in, and we know that he seeks, kills, and destroys. Okay? But, you know, often, just like when we, when we received Christ, so you got God over here, right? you got the devil over here, okay? And then you got this little slight, slight tweaking in the middle. So God's ultimate purpose is to what? To draw us to Himself. That's what God's always trying to do. Through the thick and thin, through the circumstances, through the turmoil in our lives, He's trying to draw us to Himself. 
And that's where we become more Christ-like. That's when we're stretched. That's when we're transformed. The devil, on the other hand, his main purpose is to what? I am, I'm a math major, by the way, so separate. His main purpose is to separate us from God, from, to drive a wedge between us and God's presence. And the thing is, what, what the Lord was showing me is yesterday's religion, okay? Yesterday's wineskin, yesterday's convictions, yesterday's compassion, yesterday's commitment is not going to cut it in the days ahead. It's not going to cut it because the enemy knows. The enemy is so sly. He's not going to wake up. You're not going to wake up tomorrow morning. How many people do you know? Now, I'm not saying this can't happen. It, it, it could happen. But how many people have ever heard of a situation where a brother or sister in Christ wakes up one day and just decides out of the blue, a light switch goes on, snub their nose at God, do a 180-degree turn, and, and run? I'm not saying it can happen. Circumstances can really trip us up. But often it's just a slow, slow, slow. The rudder's just a little bit, half a degree off. And before you know it, six months, a year, year and a half goes by. And you're just, the scales are completely covered. And you finally walk away from the Lord. It's not like our, our walk is not like a light switch. It can be. But how many knows it's like a dimmer switch? We have our good days and we have our bad days. The same thing with the Lord. How many know when we got saved, our, our spirit man got saved, but how many know our soul didn't get saved? That take, that's a process, right? That's why the Bible says we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, right? That's about making Lord your life, uh, uh, the Lord, Lord of your life. It's easy to make Him Savior. Every time you get into a pinch, you throw the life preserver, Lord, baby. Right? But to make Him Lord... That's a different story. And I think when I was talking to my, this, this family member and I was thinking about something that recently happened in my own life and a struggle and a battle in my own life, I think that's what it really comes down to. Is he just Savior? Or is he Lord? Because the Bible says that the battle belongs to the Lord. It doesn't say the battle belongs to our Savior. So when the Lord goes before us, we've got something else in our hip pocket. We've got another, we got another power, right? We just don't have a Savior. We've got Lord. We've got the Master of our lives on our side. So God's almost, So how many people know that when we get saved, that we're, we don't get saved and then the next day we're whole? The next day we're not whole. We're not, we haven't arrived. You know? We're being saved, the Bible says. So you have the both extremes, and this is the ultimate goal, and then you have the, the devil's ultimate goal, which is to separate us and seek, kill, destroy, maim, just kill us. But it's this part in the middle that's just so subtle. It's this part in the middle that we have an opportunity when something arises in our life, and we all go through stuff. It could be a physical, you know, Callie, Sarah. It could be something in the physical. It could be relational. It could be financial. Brother Pete, still looking for a job, you know? We str- I mean, I struggle with those things. We struggle with those things. We struggle with faith. If we didn't struggle with faith, we wouldn't need God, right? So it's, this, it's the part in the middle that God wants to bring an awareness to, and He wants us to acknowledge it so it, we, can, we can allow the Holy Spirit to quicken it when it happens 
So months, do, months don't have to go by where it's just a little isolation. God never intended our walk or our life to be a roller coaster. He never intended us to be a basket case. Okay? He never intended us to have to get by in life on Prozac or Xanax. Okay? That's not the Lord. That's the enemy. Because he wants to disguise. He wants to... I was, like I said, I was talking to this person. I was, just talk, I was talking to my boss on the phone the other day. And, and these are people that claim to know the Lord. That's the scary part. See, I know we're supposed to... I, I, I mean, my heart, my burden has always been, for whatever reason, the Lord has laid this on my heart. And, and I should share my faith with the lost. We all should do that. But for some reason, I have a burden for the Christians. I have a burden for God's people. Because there's this onslaught of deception and an inability, an inability to see that we're just we're way off track. And sometimes I wonder if, if people... Do people see me? As obvious, you know, sometimes it's hard to see the sin and the, and the ignorance in our own life and in our own heart. And, you know, God gives us the ability and a gifting to see it in others. And I'm like, Lord, am I like that? Am I just completely... Do people leave church and go, man, that guy's lost? I wonder about that. I don't know about you. I'm not saying we should size each other up. But I'm just saying it, it just... It brings question to my spirit. So I, I was quickly the other day, I went online... And it took me about 16 days because my computer's got a virus or something. But I was on the uh, I was on the Barner report, and um, and that's a great a great resource because it it you can just pull up all kinds of themes and and like I said, not to not to beat the drum, but I I did a search for you know for for a census asked by to Christians. Okay, this wasn't just just stopping at Albertsons and asking some stranger in the parking lot. This was a census done to just, quote-unquote, Christians. Now, I don't know if they threw, you know, I don't know what religions or what, you know, streams they threw in there. My guess is they asked Catholics and Baptists, and, you know, hopefully that we're not talking about Jehovah's and, and some other things here. But, but this was specifically for Christians, professing Christians. And the first one I came across was that only 4 out of 10, or no, 40%, 4 out of 10 of Christians do not believe that Satan is a real entity, is a real force. They feel that, they, they, they say, well, Satan's a symbol of evil. I mean, that's just, Lord have mercy, right? Four out of ten. So 40%. So in this room, there's what, 15 people? I mean, six people in this room. Statistically, I know we don't, but six people in this room don't believe in Satan. And... And if, and if we pick up the Word of God and blow the dust off, we'll see that the Bible speaks more of hell than it does heaven. So, I mean, the other thing I came across was 55% of Christians, 55%, more than half, do not believe the Bible is 100% accurate. I'm sorry, but if I'm not going to believe in this, what is the point? What is the point? Isn't it all, what's the word, fruit, fruit? Yeah, frivolous. I mean, what's the point? If this isn't the manual and the authoritative Word of God for our lives, now whether I follow it or not is a different story, but I've got to believe it. I've got to believe it's 100% accurate, right? How can you have faith? So we start, isn't that where some other denominations really fail? 
is they start to pick up a la carte. You know, well, I'll have the steak, but I don't want the green beans. Well, that's a, that's a message on of itself. I'm not going to go there. But yeah, you're right. So yeah, anytime man touches anything, it can get screwed up. But I mean, that's staggering to me. Um, 38%, and this is the one, 38%, or only 38%, I'm sorry, only 38% of Christians believe that the Holy Spirit, there's a need for the Holy Spirit, and He's a living force in our Christian walk. Only 38%. I don't know about you, but when I was delivered from cocaine and alcohol 16 years ago, without the Holy Spirit, I would not be standing in front of you tonight. Matter of fact, I wouldn't be probably standing anywhere. You know what I'm saying? So how could we live, how can we discern the Word of God without the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is the one that gives us the understanding of the Word of God. So I was just blown away, and I know that was a long way to preface it, but the title, if you want to give it a title, it's not really a teaching, and I'm sorry I don't have notes. I don't do well with the notes thing. I can't multitask. And if I follow Pastor Ray, I'm not going to get to him anyway. So, so kind of, Bill, cut that part from the, from the, from the audio. But the title, the title of my message is The Unmovable Christian. And as I was talking to this person, about, about a month later, so several weeks ago, I was on it. I've been traveling like a madman lately, so I've obviously I've. The Lord speaks to me a lot from 35,000 feet in the air. I don't know why, but maybe because I'm just on the airplane all the time. But a couple of weeks ago, I'm on this airplane, and uh, I'm flying to Boston, and this is uh, the first time this has ever happened. But um, the beginning part isn't, but the end part. So all of a sudden, we're up, and we've been into the flight about an hour, and all of a sudden, there's, the turbulence starts, right? And, uh, you know, finally, it, it gets, it gets it, it's sustaining, it gets pretty rough, and 20 minutes goes by, and it just gets worse and worse and worse, to the point where you have those kind of 3,000-foot drops. You ever been on a roller coaster, you get that feeling in your stomach? And I'm looking at first class and their, their, their breakfast. It was an early morning flight and their cereal and their granolas going all over them. I mean, it was pretty rough and the, the baggage starts getting tossed around. And this is the first time that this has ever happened to me. But the captain came on and asked the flight attendants to, to get strapped in, to put everything up, you know, put all the bars across the coffee, put all the sodas away, everything. And, they were, and, and it was like that for an hour and 45 minutes. The flight attendants were seated for an hour and 45 minutes. And it got to the point where I was scared. I mean, it was, I've, I've flown for 20, 25 years, and I've had turbulence, and I, I thought we were going down. I really did. And I began to um, get nervous. I began to be fearful. I began to think of my, my wife and my kids, and I began to question. I said, wow, is this it? Is this how it ends? This really, this really bites. You know? And I wish... I wish I could have had, I wish, because I, I started feeling guilty about that, because I wish I could have been like Paul in Philippians, you know. Uh, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You know, what shall I choose, or whatever, paraphrasing, you know. But I couldn't do that. I was just nervous. I was white-knuckling it. And the Lord, you know, and I'm looking around too, because I want to see other people's reactions. Because maybe they got more frequent flyers than me. Maybe they're used to this and I'm not. So I'm looking around for other people's reactions. 
But anyway, so I'm in my thing, I'm sweating, the lady next to me is just, you know, i got scars on my arms, and the luggage is going all over the place, and, it, and it's not a five-minute deal. I mean, you've got to understand, it's going on for like an hour and 45 minutes, and I told my wife after, and obviously I lived through it, but I told my wife after, whoa, I thought that was it. You know, that was a pretty rough one. But during that time, this, and this is really the birth of this, of, this, of this message, is the Lord brought me to a scripture... You know how there's scriptures that you just know by heart, John 3.16, I can, and you know, other, others, I can do all things through Christ, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And so as you, hopefully, as you get into the Word and your, and your walk goes on, you just, you memorize, the Lord quickens, or you memorize more scripture, and you should. But he brought me to a verse, now I don't know about you, but the Lord, the Lord doesn't audibly speak to me. I'm not saying he can't, but I, I, he doesn't, Randy, you know, I, I, it's in my spirit. And that's how I hear it from the Lord. But he, he brought me, he gave me the verse, and it wasn't a verse that, I mean, you may know it, but it wasn't a verse that was familiar to me. You know, it wasn't like, you know, some trust in chariots, some in horse. You know, it wasn't Proverbs 3, 5. It wasn't, you know, Philippians 4. It was, it was a verse in Psalms. And, and I'll be honest with you, I know you think I, I memorize all, but I didn't know this particular verse. And I was like, well, Lord, I don't know. I can't get my Bible, Lord. The luggage is going all over the place. I'm scared. I'm not going to stand up. And he spoke to me the verse in my spirit, and I didn't know it. And I thought that was kind of cool. So that's just kind of a side note. But he was really speaking to me this unmovable Christian message. And if you have, do you have your Bibles? Hopefully you've got your Bibles. Let's open up the Psalm, Psalm 16. Now, you've got to remember, when the Lord was moving in our midst this past Sunday, and the Lord gave me a word out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and you all know the Scripture, that we have to remember, and we have to take this seriously, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Right? Amen? What are they? They're mighty in what? They're mighty in God for what? For pulling down some things. Right? For, for re- rebuking those arguments that get up here and the stuff that gets up here, you know. And we hear it, but we struggle with it. I struggle with it, and I know I'm not the only one. We struggle with it, because we want to try to fix it first, and then prayer, I don't know about you, but I'll admit that there's times where prayer is my last resort instead of my first response. And, and shouldn't it be the other way around? But this is, this is the whole... I love that teaching. Remember, remember I love that, you know, the whole get into alignment thing. Because that's where God speaks to me through these circumstances and in the air at 35,000 feet. And it, He gave me, and it was just two, two verses. And He said, Randy, and it was more of a question as He was speaking to my spirit. Psalm 16, verse 8 says, I have set the Lord... It doesn't say Savior. And I'll get into that in a minute, but I thought that was pretty important. I have set the Lord always, for me, you know, 9%, whatever, but I have set the Lord always before me. Because He is at my right hand, I shall not be moved. Can you say amen? Now, when I'm talking about moved... I'm not talking about moving from Garland to Plano. Okay? 
I'm talking about our, our, our soul being moved. I'm talking about being moved into fear. I'm talking about being moved into unthankfulness. I'm talking about being moved into just a crappy attitude. You know what I'm saying? I'm talking about our souls. And that's what needs to be saved. Amen? Day in and day out. Our soul needs to be saved. Not our, not our spirit, man. Therefore, my heart is glad. And this is the promise. God always gives us, if you do this, I do this. But we want to bargain with God. You know, we want to, we want to fleece. We want to, you know, well, yeah, you show me this. And, I, and God will never do that. His timing is never early, but it's never late. Amen? Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will rest in hope. See, my flesh was not resting in hope 35,000 feet heading to Logan. My flesh was, I was a basket case. You know? But he said, I have set the Lord always before me. So now I go back when I was talking to this, um, this close family member of mine. And I was asking the Lord as I got off the phone with her. And I said, Lord, is it me? Is it, am I too harsh? Am I just trying to drive righteousness down her throat? What, what am I doing wrong? You know, I was like asking the Lord to, for constructive criticism, which is a good thing to ask the Lord, by the way. And I said, Lord, what am I doing wrong? And he says, Randy, nothing. She hasn't set the Lord before her. Because I am not at her right hand. Now, he was showing me after, and keep in mind, the cool thing about the Lord bringing me specifically to this psalm is David wrote this psalm, and guess when David wrote it? David wrote it in the midst of his reign being opposed, in the midst of trying to be killed, and running from cave to cave. He only had one buddy, right? Jonathan, right? And Saul was trying to kill him because Saul was jealous and Saul was proud. His reign, his, his reign was being opposed. So what? He was under attack, right? I was under attack. I was slipping into fear. I was being just slightly moved. Okay? I wasn't being drawn because I started to question. I started to lose hope. I started to, I'd certainly lost my peace. And I probably, with all the sweat, I probably lost about eight pounds too. But I thought this was, the Lord was showing me, I have set the Lord always before me. See, it doesn't cost us anything to set our Savior before us. It doesn't cost us anything. Remember in Second Chronicles, Jehoshaphat. Remember Jehoshaphat? Remember when they were going to battle? What did Jehoshaphat do? Who did he, did he bring the guy with the M16s? Of course, they didn't have those back then, but you know what I'm saying? Did he, I mean, that would be the logical thing to do, right? Well, we're going to battle. Let's, you know, let's get the big guys with the six-packs and the, and the swords and the fiery darts and everything, and we're going to battle, right? Makes sense, right? If you're going to work, you get in your car. I mean, I, I'd be willing to bet that people were looking at Jehoshaphat like, that dude is whacked. We're going to battle, and he's bringing singers and worshipers. He's putting the Lord before him. See, the battle is the Lord's, but the victory is our part to understand that we're part of the process. The Bible says in Matthew, and I think it's in chapter 20, it says that many are called, but few are chosen. Many are called, but few are chosen. 
talking to my family, talking to my boss, thinking about my own struggles. Call. We're all called. Many are called. But few choose to submit to the dealings of God. Amen? I have set the Lord always before me because He, because He is at my right hand. How many know that we get in trouble when anything besides God is at our right hand. We plug and play, right? Our job's at our right hand, 401k, bank account, relationships, girlfriend, boyfriend, BFFE, all this stuff, right? Is that it? I don't know, best friend, you know. I mean, we, we put things at our right hand, you know. But the right hand speaks of God's strength. The right hand is the dominant hand. He, he put this down here for a reason, just to teach us something. There's a lot of meat just in these two verses. Because He is at my right hand, He's in my hip pocket. He's right there at the right, the dominant side, the strength. God's right hand, what's the Hebrew word there? The, right hand, the Hebrew word for right hand is yamin. Everybody say yamin. Yamin. It's important to know the Hebrew and the Greek. If you don't have a Strong's, I encourage you. Because there's a lot of English translation. You were speaking about this, and this is where we get into a pinch is we, we use our own English interpretation and understanding of what it reads to understand its context. And we don't get the true meaning a lot of times. This word yamin, that he, it speaks of his strength, it speaks of his favor, and it even speaks of his presence. He is at my right hand. He's before us because we placed him before us. But then he becomes our right hand. He's our right-hand man. You've heard that saying, right? He's my right-hand man. The Lord, you're placing Him before you as Lord. And that's going to cost us something. That's going to cost us something. Putting the Lord before us is going to cost us our will. It's going to cost us some yielding. It's going to cost what I heard a long time ago in our old church, DTS. DTS. Oh, Oh, it's going to cost us DTS. Anybody know what DTS is? Huh? Come on, take a guess. Come on, what's DTS? Okay, write this one down. This is a good one. Die to... Oops, I did two E's. Die to self. DTS. Oh, it's going to cost us that. It's going to cost us that. It's going to cost us turning off that radio station. I've said this before. That radio station, WWIFM. Don't don't get caught listening to that radio station. W W I F M. What's in it for me? Oops, W I F F M. What's in it? W I I F M. I'm sorry. What's in it for me? We got to turn that one off and find a different frequency. Amen. And then this is the awesome part. See, my heart. Once I put the in that airplane situation. Once I placed the Lord before me, and I got that. It wasn't a new revelation, but it was a it was relearned revelation that he is on my right side. Then it didn't matter if the plane went down, because that was his divine will. Then it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Because I knew that the Lord was before me. If I lived, that was his will. And all of a sudden that's what see, and that's what Paul was talking about in Philippians. It it all it doesn't matter because as long as God is on my side and I make him master of my life. It really doesn't matter what happens because he's not surprised. 
We say, oh, Lord, uh, excuse me, Lord, do, do you know what's going down down here? Could you take care of that person over there? He's not surprised. It's no surprise to him. So the battle and our will, see, God is the answer for all of this stuff. And I love this uh, scripture. Turn to Philippians. Because when we talk about our will, we can't change our will. Only God. Submitting to God and yielding God to, can change our will. Because our, our, our will is aligned now with His will. Because we're in total submission to Him. And our soul is under the authority of our spirit and our spirit to the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. I think this is an awesome verse. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For it is God who works in you to will and to do. Lest the Lord build the house, what? We labor in vain. It is God in us. Once we allow God to work in us, He will operate our will. Because we will be under the influence, right? Of what? The Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, if we walk in the Spirit, what? We will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then, the enemy will not be able to tweak our rudder a half a degree and get us over time, over time to have a hardened heart. We, we will be protected from that because we're putting the Lord before us. It doesn't mean we're perfect and it doesn't mean we still won't have ups and downs and we won't struggle. But when we allow God to quicken to our minds and to our hearts the Word of God and remind us that the voice we're listening to is not the voice of God. When we, see, and this is why it's so critical. Discernment, wisdom, that's what you should be praying for. You know, remember, who was it? Uh, uh, Dave, uh, uh, Samuel, right? He could have prayed for a lot of things. God blessed him because he prayed for what? Prayed for wisdom. Now, at the end, he kind of blew it. But still, God anointed him and gave him wisdom. He could have, I mean, I don't know if I would have prayed for that. If, if God said, I'll give you anything, pray for one thing. You know, I mean... We can get fleshy there. So anyways, when, when God gave me that revelation of not only the people I've been speaking to and Christians and where Christians struggle, because the, the reality is we're beginning to call, I don't know about you, but are we starting to call evil good and good evil? Have we accepted certain things in our lives and in other people's lives? And we're saying, well, Randy, it's not the 80s anymore. Or it's not the revival. It's not the Brownsville. You, you can't. You've got to use different bait. You've got to do that. You know what? Baloney. God's Word will not turn void. You know? I just heard from a sister in Christ just this past Sunday out at the coffee bar. I was talking to a sister in Christ. Who's a cucumber? Watch a lot of VeggieTales. I love Tom Tomato, Tim Tomato. I was talking to a lady just out at the... Uh, uh, Jehovah Java. You like that? I got the name for the coffee bar, by the way. Jehovah Java. I like that. But I was out of Jehovah Java here the other day talking to a sister in Christ, and she told me that there is a church in the Dallas Metroplex. It, it's, it's, a gay, it's a homosexual church. And the pastor, Lord have mercy, the pastor is openly gay. 
perilous times, dude. Perilous. Love is, I mean, just totally, totally. I just couldn't believe it when, when this person was sharing this with me. I didn't know. I was oblivious to it. Amen. You know, it's, I've, I've often, I don't want to get down that road, but I've often questioned, you know, people that are pastoring or in the fivefold ministry that are just, they're just outly in, in sin. And I say, God, why do you allow, you know, that's the thing that goes through my mind. Why, God, why, don't, why do you allow them to, to, to be an oracle for your word and this and that? And I, I chalk it up that there's just some things in this life you know, God's eyes are on the just and the unjust. I don't know. He chooses to use people that are weak. But we, we will know someday. We will know someday all the things. It's a mystery, some of it. But we will know someday. And Because uh, i got a lot of questions. i got a lot of questions for Peter. i got a ton of questions for Paul. You know, I want to ask Jehoshaphat, man, were they just kind of, they were dissing you when you brought the singers. I want to know what, he must have been slammed. They probably thought he was an absolute lunatic. So anyways... After the Lord, oh man, I'm doing awesome. On time. I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not trying to, yeah, I struggle with pride. Um, so after the Lord showed me this on the airplane, then He gave me a revelation. So we know that our will, we know it is God that works in us to will, right? We know that setting the Lord before us, right, is talking about setting, having Him as our master of our lives. Right? And we know that He's going to protect us. Right? But here's the awesome part. Turn, for me, it's one page over to Psalm 18. So David's reign is being opposed. David's being threatened. He's, he's just being, I mean, he's, we get mad because gas goes up 10 cents, man. This dude was running for his life. Okay? So he gets his reigns being opposed. I'm on the airplane. I think we're going down. Right? And, and then after that revelation, God brings me one page over. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It wasn't even... It's, it's, oh, no, it is 18. Psalm 18. And He brings me to these three verses. And in Psalm 18, David wrote that psalm after he was delivered. So he put the Lord before him. He was quickened. He submitted to the Word of God. He rose up and did what? What does the Bible say? David encouraged himself what? In the Lord. We've got to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Because sometimes, especially the time in the valleys, Tim's faith is not going to save Bunny. We've got to have our own walk. Okay? As soon as we're to the age of accountability, it's us and the Lord. And there's a lot of times that we go through some stuff when it's just us and God. And we can't lean on somebody else's faith. We can't lean on somebody else's anointing. You know, I'm not going to fulfill my call in God because Pastor Ray is mantled. You know what I'm saying? We've got to have, we've got to encourage ourselves in the Lord. So then after, after David and after me on the airplane go through all this stuff, then God saves them, or delivers them, right? From all his foes, all his enemies. And what does it say? I will, and this is it, it's our will. I will love you, O Lord, my strength. 
I will love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer. That speaks of His stability, His protection. The Bible says He is our vindicator. He is our strength. But we've got to set Him before us. We've got to have Him in our right. We've got to have Him on the dominant side. My God, my strength, in whom I what will trust? I will trust. See, this is a choice now. Now God's saying, okay, you're putting me before you, but I'm now I'm giving you a revelation of what you need to do in order to ensure, ensure, I think those words are interchangeable, that you don't get off the wrong beaten track and eventually get caught up in this muck. Okay? I'll still deliver you, but man, don't we want to just make small steps towards the Lord? Isn't that the ultimate goal, to become more Christ-like, right? He's a forward-thinking God. He wants to do so much in our lives. And sometimes we go around chasing the devil, and sometimes it's just God trying to just show us something. You know, I'm all for binding spirits. I'm all for chasing the devil and tongue-talking Christian. But sometimes we just need to shut up for a second and say, Lord, what are you trying to show me? Because it ain't the devil. Sometimes it's God. And it is God anyways, because regardless of what's going on in your life, God either initiates it or He allows it. And all you've got to do to understand that is read the book of Job. So, He brought me this, I will love you. Love Him. And this is really the heart of worship because Matthew chapter 6 says, where your treasure is, therefore your heart will also be. If God is the center and the focus and the ultimate, the 100% most important thing in our lives, I think once, we're, once we align ourselves with the Lord, we will love Him. We can never love Him agape completely, I don't believe. But we need to at least press towards that goal. Amen? And then it says, in whom I will trust. I will trust Him. All of the time. And I didn't trust Him on the airplane. This person that's struggling, these people that I talked to, the people on this Barner report, they're, they're not trusting the Lord. You know, they're leaning on their own understanding. Proverbs 3, 5 says, to trust in the Lord with all your what? Heart, right? So before we can trust Him, He's got to have our hearts. And I think it's important to understand that these three verses are in order for a reason. Before we can trust Him, we've got to love Him. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not what? On your own understanding. And that's what, that's what gets us into a lot of pinches. That's what gets us into a lot of trouble is when we begin to lean. When we begin to lean on our intellect. When we begin to lean on what comes natural to us. You know? And I think God will humble us in that situation just to, just to want to say, I've got to humble you because I want you to lean. I need you to lean back on me. You know? When I'm doing my thing at work, you know, and the Lord has really gave me big time favor on the job, I can, get, I, I can get prepped in that, right? I can get puffed up. And I can think it's me doing it. And then God's got to not bring me down a few notches and says, son, can, can you come back over here and lean on me? and lean not on your own understanding. And then this part, it says, I will call upon Him. I will call upon who? The Savior? I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And this is the promise, church. Verse 3, so what? Come on, read it out loud. Be saved from my enemies. We love them. We trust them. 
We call upon His name. Could somebody read Isaiah 40.31? Calling upon His name. Calling upon His name. That literally means somebody is, when you call upon Him, you're addressing Him by name. I know people in this church by name. Not people in Albertsons. Why? There's fellowship. There's koinonia. There's relationship. He wants us to call Him and address Him by name. Because the name brings authority. There's power in the name of the Lord. Amen? There's power in that name. You got Isaiah 40? Yeah, 40-31. Sure. Can you say amen to that? Wait on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Call on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. We need God more than ever, church, right now. We need God. I know I need. God's been speaking to me that I need to step it up a notch. I I just don't have the... We've got to fan the flame. And when we encourage ourselves in the Lord, we've got to fan our own flame. We've got to fan that spiritual gift. We've got to fan that faith. We gotta fan that thing. We gotta, we gotta speak to the enemy right in the face of the battle and say, no, you will not have dominion. I'm gonna put you in the position that you need to be in, which is under my foot. God's in my right hip pocket and I'm putting him before him. And no weapon formed against me shall prosper. We gotta speak that thing. We gotta speak it. Because when we speak it and we get into the word, guess what? Now we have discernment. And now when the enemy tries to come in and just a little questioning, did God really say? We can say, yes, and here's the word. Because we know it. We know it. So we submit, and then of course everybody knows this verse, James 4, 7, right? And this is where we can't bargain this thing. There's a divine order here, right? We submit to God, then what? Then and only then can we resist the devil, right? And he will flee from us. So we're going to submit to God, we're going to yield to God, we're going to turn off what's in it for me, we're going to go to a different frequency, right? We're going to die to self, we're going to put the Lord before us, He's right here in our hip pocket, the enemy's right here, under the old, I don't know, what is this, pair of Clarks? Alright, put them right under the Clarks, and say, no, you're not having your way, right? Amen. Amen. I don't know, I'm excited, because I'm excited because our will is conquered through submission, And it's submission that wins the battle. Because God can deliver us in an instant. See, deliverance is of the Lord. We can be delivered from anything. Okay? Your sister can be delivered in the blink of an eye. Amen? Can be delivered. But the thing is, it takes us to walk out the victory. We have to be willing to walk out the victory. We can't bargain with the Lord. And He's going to do this thing. He's going to do this thing, church. And He not only wants to do this because of us personally, He not wants to heal us, and He not wants to expand us, and he, not, he just does not want to heal our bodies and heal our minds. But He's doing this for an ultimate purpose. Okay? For the righteousness and come back for a glorious church. Amen? amen. Can you say amen? amen. Okay. Let's bow our heads. Father God, Lord, we thank You, Lord. Lord, I just thank You for Your people. Lord, I thank You for Your Word. Lord, I don't know what we would do without Your Holy Word, without Your Holy Spirit. Lord, and I pray right now for those who I said before we started on the Barna Report, Lord, I pray for those and even my family members and even myself, Lord, that just 
are just completely, uh, just the scales are covering their eyes, Lord, because the enemy has just turned their rudder just a half a degree, Lord. And over time, Lord, they, they've, they, they've been calling good evil and evil good, Lord. I just pray, give us a discerning heart, Lord. Give us a discerning mind. Renew our mind, Lord, with Your Word, Lord, and quicken to us those things, Lord, as they come, Lord, so we can take care of business right then and there. Lord, I thank You for Your Psalms. I thank You for Your illustrations through David. Lord, I thank You for speaking to me on the airplane. Father God, and I just pray, Lord, as as I struggle with certain things, and Lord, we all struggle at times, Lord, that You would quicken to our spirits, Lord, when we're getting off track, Father God. Lord, I pray for this continued message that Pastor Ray has just cracked the door on about the doctrine of demons, Lord. We need to understand this thing, Lord. Father God, we've been saying it for so long that we're in a battle, and yeah, the facing giants and all the all the acronyms, Lord, and Father God, Lord, but we have to, Lord, embrace this, because whether we believe it or not, Lord, the battle is real. It doesn't matter whether we believe it or not, Lord. It doesn't change anything. The battle is real. You're real. The devil is real. And we need to start taking our position in Christ, Father God. Lord, I just thank You. Protect Your people. Bless Your people, Lord. Encourage Your people, Lord. Father God, this is good stuff, Lord. It's all good news, Lord. And I pray that we would just You would stir us. You would stir us, Lord, to the spiritual warfare, Lord. Stir us to the spiritual warfare in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen.